Welcome to the Visions of a Better World podcast. We are part of Global Visions, an association founded in Helsinki, Finland. Our goal is to bring people and organizations together as well as develop ideas and ways of thinking to make the world a better place. In this podcast series, our association is represented by me, project planner Petri Lahtinen, and Max Dahlberg, the founder and chairperson of the association. We are also inviting guests to the podcast to discuss themes that are important in making the world a better place. Welcome, everyone. Maybe we could still look a bit into Immanuel Kant and his how, how his ideas uh, relate to all this and, and, and okay. specifically yes. his views on, on justice, Immanuel Kant. So, Yes. Um, okay, Kant is of course uh, a liberal, so um, he is very much in line with the other liberals uh, before him, like like Locke and others. Of course, he also um, uh, more strongly than perhaps anyone else develops uh, the criterion for. Uh, um, for justice, for example, or, or for, for the right. So there's a clear priority of right of a good in Kant. Um, and, and the right for Kant then has to do with um, general principles that we can apply in all situations. He tries to, and, and, and his, his optimism is that we can, we can see, we can understand these, uh, and anyone can understand these principles by, just by using his, his or her own reason. Um, so he, he drops this older kind of thing that we talk about natural rights that comes from nat- nat- nature and, and reverts back to something that is much more contemporary that everyone can use their reason to find out about which kind of moral principles should stand at the, at, at, at the bottom. Um, and these are, are sort of universalist in that sense. It, he's, he's very much, very much a liberal. What are then these principles in his thinking, in his mind? Well, on the one hand, he develops a general uh, procedural <laughs> principle, you can say, um, that, that he calls the categorical imperative, which is uh, to develop a principle that when we think about something, is this the right thing to do? Should I promote, uh, should I help another human being? So what shall I do if I'm in a situation? Should I help this person now? Well, I... I'm then supposed to think along with a general procedural principle testing this. Could I claim that helping another people, another person, is something that I, I could think that it should be a sort of a universal principle, a universal law that we must follow in all situations? If I answer yes to that principle, I must help this person now also, independently of, of what happens to myself. So it's a very, very strict, very uh, um, principle of of uh, universality that that you find, and uh, uh, if we, his liberalism also. I mean, uh, Rawls, John Rawls, who is is then um, uh, a liberal thinker, he also calls his uh, his conception Kantian. He's also a Kantian thinker in the sense that he claims uh, that uh, the principle of justice should be the basic one and that should be the priority of this principle to, to any other goods 
So individual good is secondary, justice comes first. So Rawls is also very much uh, a Kantian thinker. Um, and uh, there's, there's a lot of things in, in Kant's thinking that, that it, because it's, it's very demanding on us, it has a lot of problems also <laughs> because, of the, because it's really, really demanding. Um, but in a way, he, he uh, was part of that process who, uh, who emphasized um, uh, basic rights and basic moral principles as the, as the ground for, for everything, for, for our mode of acting and for society also. Um, and yes. From that perspective, he, he is also almost not the exact opposite to John Stuart Mill, but uh, in his book, uh, which is titled <laughs> Coincidentally Utilitarianism, John Stuart Mill uh, kind of admitted that there's, uh, um, that there's no way of creating uh, moral uh, principles that would not have any acceptance whatsoever because he kind of uh, realized and accepted the the multitude of human life and existence whereas Immanuel Kant as, as, as we uh, as you said explained the uh, categorical imper- imperative is something a, a, a principle that a, a way of action that would could become an universal law but then also there's um, one interesting notion that I always uh, start to think about when, when we're discussing Immanuel Kant is that uh, apparently he n- never left his hometown more than... Uh, the, the furthest he went was 100 kilometers, but most of his life he spent in that same town where he was born till the end of his life. So maybe he had the, the, the sort of uh, conception of of uh, the multitude of human existence didn't so much uh, concern him. I don't know, but that's what I... Yeah, well, it's difficult to to (laughs) assess how much these kind of things have have an effect on on what kind of philosophy you develop. Um, But of course, I mean, mean, if you develop this kind of very strict demanding principle, then the the problem for Kant was always that, that, okay, if you come up with one principle, you should always help other people okay yes sounds good of course we should but then as soon as it comes into conflict with a similar another kind of uh, we should promote some other some other good uh, or some other other right principle of right as soon as this kind of limitation he has nothing to say about how to resolve this conflict between uh, moral claims that we we, we come up to the, these are these are obligations you have to do but but how should I decide between these two obligations is anyone of this more important than the other according to Kant we can't do this because if something is an obligation it's an obligation so you must do it with no exception but if you can't do all of them at the same time which one is is, is sort of should you promote and that's why Mill comes up with this uh, solution in effect that in the end you have to take these different moral principles, and then you think through them from the perspective of utility. Which one in this situation promotes the good best? Then you pick that one and not the other one. So in a way, he sees this problem with with Kant also, and in a way, he thinks Kant is it's, it's right, of course. We should, this should be these very basic uh, obligations we should have. 
But then would, there must be a way of deciding between them which one should we apply in this case. And then, then he puts utility, promoting the good as, as that. And Kant would never accept that. Yeah. <laughs> because if you have an obligation, you have an obligation independently if you can realize it or not, really. Yeah, and, and also the sort of the, the groundwork or where, where Kant started to develop his philosophy was that uh, I, I believe that he was uh, very, uh, how you say, he was uh, empiricist, that he uh, claimed that we can only know about things that are perceptible to us uh, through senses, and then we can think he separated. He can we can think about other things, but we can uh, the, the the separation of, of to know and to think was uh, the kind of dichotomy that where where he started that we can the, the senses provide uh, things uh, knowledge, but then there are for example the moral is something that we cannot know, but it's something we can think about. Yeah, yeah. Well, in in yes, it, to to put it slightly differently, yes, mm-hmm. he makes a, a clear distinction between sort of issues, questions of truth and knowledge on the one hand, and questions of right and justice on the other, and these are, are not to be conflated, they belong to different realms, mm. so it's theoretical reason and practical reasons, yes. and they are do different different things. Mm. So so indeed, when you come to practical reason, you should go through this, uh, you, you come up with some kind of, I'd call them maxims, mm. that you, you should promote something, mm. and then you test it through the categorical principle Uh, for example, he has this very famous writing on, on perpetual peace, where he raises the question of of uh, striving for peace and this perpetual peace, uh, uh, eternal peace is a possibility. And he he sort of, when we go to practical reason and reason, of course, uh, striving for perpetual eternal peace is a moral principle that fits well with the categorical imperative, so we should strive for perpetual peace. Uh, but then he has to go through this, well, well, uh, there's walls, it's not possible, it's, it's sort of have to be realist also. But in the end it comes to the, no, 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 yes, it, it still, as a moral principle, although we know that people are, there will be conflicts and walls, we still must have this principle moral principle at the background whatever happens how many wars we should anyway strive for for perpetual because it's in line with this practical principle practical reason or the categorical imperative that this is something that is right when you really think about it so there's uh, as you said uh, Immanuel Kant his 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 own original work are quite difficult to read for a modern reader and 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 Usually, the, the, it's more pleasurable to read modern commentaries or, or mm-hmm. uh, books mm-hmm. about Kant's philosophy rather than his original work, or at least if those works don't have modern commentaries. But f- when we think about this, uh, in, uh, this uh, uh, categorical imperative, uh, it is often when we, if if one has ethics or philosophy in 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 in, uh, in in high school for example the 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 classical problem or the dilemma is that for example that one could easily say that the categorical imperative would include uh, 
a maxim or, or principle that one should not kill another other person. Yes. But then there's that. Well, what if like killing a one person saves the life of a hundred people? Uh, did Immanuel Kant ever kind of solve this sort of dilemma that 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 sometimes actually the deviating from the uh, imp- uh, the the imperative would result actually in a in 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 a result that would be more beneficial or was Immanuel Kant that the, uh, uh, did he think that the, any actions should be uh, weighed upon the the initial uh, uh, the the action itself rather than the consequences it's the action itself uh, mm-hmm. always but but okay this this is a this is a, a um <clears throat> complicated issue in when you read Kant because on the one hand i mean he he's categorical in the sense that uh, okay it might happen that someone kills one person in order to save 100 but it can't still be uh, morally good to do mm-hmm. that It couldn't, could never be. So he can't, he can't sort of go that way mm. because that that's going into the other side, the hypothetical imperative. In the hypothetical imperative, you have these maxims to say that you shouldn't kill. But in this situation, <laughs> you have 100 there, one there. Then you have to make a choice. Mm. So then you can do it. But he says no, it's not. It can never be morally right in any case. So he's very strict. <laughs> On the other hand, we find in Kant's writings, um, um, he's not against the death penalty. <laughs> so, so, so he's, he's sort of, <laughs> it's uh, strange sometimes. But uh, So could one argue that uh, in Immanuel Kant's philosophy, the, the, that he could say that, okay, saving 100 people is a good thing, but uh, achieving that by killing one person is still morally wrong. It's morally wrong. Yeah, it's yeah. You do it, but you do something morally wrong. So then you have to live with that one <laughs> in, in a way. Yes. Yeah. So it becomes um, yes. It's, it's not easy to sort of see how you should reason in cases like this. Yeah. So Immanuel Kant, he didn't go to like practicality. That he said that that he, I, I'm urging you not to kill any anyone in any circumstances. He said that okay. Uh, you might kill a person, and it, the results might be uh, beneficial and good, but you still did a, a phil- from a philosophical. It, it was still wrong. <laughs> yeah, it was still morally yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, he sometimes can be read to. So, yeah, so so, like yeah, so in in the in, in this uh, in in the frame of this discussion, we we could argue that Immanuel Kant was more, mostly interested in uh, even abstract uh, philosophical thinking, whereas. Thinkers like John Stuart Mill and yeah. and others mentioned maybe even John Rawls were trying to kind of bridge the gap to to the actual real life. Yes, reality. yes. Mill was very very much mm. such a mm. such a yes. He, mm. he 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 and was a politician himself also, mm. member of parliament and and so on. So mm. he he really was in that and Kant wasn't at all. No, yeah. that's true. Yeah, he was most of his life. He worked at just the university just worked, and, yes. and, 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 and that was his life yes. in that one town. Yes, yes, mm. indeed. Mm. indeed. Yeah. yeah, so Ivan Kant, he's, it, it's, uh, uh, I don't know, do you have any, any sort of view about, is there any 
still applicability in his moral philosophy or is it more does it remain uh, in the the realm of uh, philosophical thinking uh, no no indeed i well if you, if we go back to the sort of my reluctance with utilitarianism mm-hmm. so so actually i'm much more a kantian <laughs> thinker <laughs> myself so i i uh, and i think this kind of deontological let's call it deontological mode of reasoning um it's, it's sort of, yeah, for many reasons, it's, it's much better, much more promising. But of course, you have to uh, rework it mm-hmm. so it works in, 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 into sort of the contem- contemporary form and, and not follow, I mean, the way uh, Kant himself uh, formulated. So, uh, but, but I mean, all the time when we talk about human rights, mm-hmm. uh, that is, of course, a very mm-hmm. sort of Kantian principle. Mm-hmm. All kinds of uh, priorities of issues of justice, mm-hmm. Kantian principles, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and so on. So it's 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 uh, a mode of thinking that is very strong, strong still today. But of course, formulated in a different way. Yeah, that's interesting to hear because uh, from my own experience, Immanuel Kant's uh, metaphysics, especially, is still uh, very much on the surface when it comes to modern philosophy for example yes. but i didn't know that his his uh the, 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 his moral thinking was still also yes yeah. yes it's it's very much and, and as i said john rawls uh, when he reformulates mm-hmm. liberalism in the 1970s onwards uh, that's ex- explicitly a kantian mode mm-hmm. that he works from out of and uses this to criticize mm-hmm. utilitarianism and other modes of thinking also when you go into sort of uh, uh, critical theory tradition, Jürgen Habermas, his critical theory and his conception of of democracy is explicitly a Kantian conception. He just reformulates this whole idea of, of a, a sort of basic principle into a principle of deliberation where human beings together discuss and try to come to a conclusion of what is the right. So he, he for, reformulates Kant into a a, a, a deliberative conception mm-hmm. where you we, we, we should come together we should all have the right to speak and take in come, uh, bring out our own position we reason together and by reasoning together we may perhaps can, can, can come to some kind of conclusion agreement on what is right and that's a, a kind of modern Kantianism mm-hmm. you view it in terms of agreement instead of the one person reasoning in his own, own head, you, you discuss together and see if you can come up with something that is, is... So if you come up together with, yes, human rights is good for everyone. If you come up with that, that's a kind of Kantianism that has been taken into deliberative uh, way of doing it. So it, it's, it's valid only if we really can agree. Yes. In a way. When in the meta, uh, field of metaphysics... Uh, since I happen to know about that field uh, a little bit, uh, there's uh, now especially the sort of within the uh, movement of uh, w- what is termed uh, post-humanism, there is a strong movement uh, inside of that, which kind of opposes the Kantian uh, conceptions of metaphysics, uh, metaphysics, and that's called usually speculative realism, but mm. that's outside of this topic. But I would be interested to know, uh, is there any sort of uh, strong uh, modern uh, uh, or, or movements that are strongly against Kantian 
conceptions of uh, of moral thinking and what are their arguments? Do you know if, if there are any? Well, uh, there is still um, a heated uh, discussion still going on between uh, what we can call consequentialism and utilitarianism is a form of consequentialism where you try to think of uh, moral issues in terms of the consequences of actions mm -hmm. and not the actions themselves. Yes. And the Kantian mode who thinks that, well, no, you should anyway start off from basic principles and rights mm -hmm. and, and the actions, mm -hmm. and, and that should be the, the, the sort of priority. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, in moral theory, this, this uh, debate just goes on between consequentialists and Kantians. Mm -hmm. It's as, as, as pertinent as ever. Uh, so in that sense, you can find, of course, criticisms of, of Kantianism. Uh, because, I mean, the basic criticism of Kantianism is, well, if you shouldn't we take into account the consequences of our actions? And that's very valid criticism. Of course, I mean, if I, I do something good, but, but the consequences are bad, I have failed in some sense. So there's something wrong there. So of course the consequences should be brought in to reasoning. Uh, so that kind of criticism of, of Kantian mode is always, always, uh, yes, uh, actual. Yeah, and, and the the other's perspective to the, the the example of that one killing one human individual saves, uh, for example, the lives of hundred people and. The classical example is that would have, would it have been morally right to, for example, assassinate Hitler? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. But then the other other example, which is not maybe discussed so much, or maybe it is, I don't know. But is that like, for example, uh, you said that if, if if someone had has good intentions, but the consequences are bad, then that person has failed. But then, for example, in this case of the hypothetical assassination of Hitler, the, the, the assassin would be probably regarded as a historical hero. But then if we go to the other end, then we might think that, that if there's a psychopath who wants, just likes killing people, if he happens to kill uh, a, a dictator... You yeah. wouldn't say that, oh, he's a hero because he accidentally just happened to kill yeah. a person yes. that, yes. that would have caused the death of, of numerous other people. So, yes. yeah, that's another perspective that might be useful to bring up. That's that. Yes, yes, yes. Um. So I don't give the picture that I'm totally anti-Kantian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, well... Uh, it also depends on, on, I mean, what kind of tradition you work with in, in Brutech philosophy, for example. And, and this, uh, I mean, opposition between consequentialism and Kantianism or the ontology, it's very, sort of, it's in the Anglo-American tradition very strong. Mm -hmm. But when you go to the German-French uh, tradition in a European philosophy, for example, it doesn't come up because mm -hmm. utilitarianism, which is the strongest mm -hmm. form of consequential, that, that was, it was very British. Mm -hmm. Yes, and in France and Germany, it sort of has never been a big thing. So uh, when you do mm, moral theory, perhaps from some other tradition, if you go to other cultures outside of Europe, then 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 this uh, uh, opposition between these two is is not that strong. I mean, many many just think, okay, 
I mean, wouldn't the morally best thing uh, do that we do good actions that have good consequences? So let's have it that way. Mm-hmm. Let's just to think these two together, you don't have to have this opposition, mm-hmm. really. Uh, that that's in a in a way where I, the kind of thinkers I mm-hmm. I uh, I uh, read and work with, it's rather like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. How do they then view this togetherness of these two opposing views? Well, it's it, it just about a question of of thinking this together. How can you have both? And and that's that's uh, that perhaps. Uh, I mean, the good thing about this Anglo-American tradition of ha- having these two is that you have two very clearly formulated and opposed theories. Uh, and that's, uh, in a way, good. Uh, from a pedagogical perspective, it's good because you can teach that at schools very easily. <laughs> you just say, here's one and here's the other, so think about this. But in actual, concrete, moral thinking, it might be very confusing if we have to sort of go through these theories when we think about an actual case try to think to what what sort of the best thing good thing here in this case uh, it's not at all clear that we have to go use these theories at all we just can use our sort of judgment and reasoning and try to come up with what would be the best thing to do in this situation and then you can think about rights and consequences at the same time without problem you just But you don't have a strong theory that you can tell people. There's a philosophical theory that would solve your problem. You just have to do the thinking yourself. When we go back to the, the where we started the discussion of utilitarianism, and then we went quite a, a long time discussing liberalism, um, and now when we're discussing Kant, uh, I was just uh, thought came to my mind that the, when we were discussing Uh, the utilitarian thinkers and the liberal thinkers, there was a strong connection between these two modes of thinking. But when we discuss Kant, was his philosophy or, or his written work that has uh, that we have uh, concerned about the sort of the core value? Of, first of all, yes, we agree that Immanuel Kant was a liberal. But did his writing concern the ideas that we usually place in the core of liberalism? That is the individual, the well, rationality. Of course, we can argue, but the the the, the question of individual, individual and the, and the freedom of individual were, were those any? They, they have any important role in in the thinking of Immanuel Kant? Uh, yes, uh, and and and. Um... Yes, he he tries really to come up with a solution um, to, to to those issues. I mean, I mean when when you read about uh, Kant's political philosophy, it's nothing very special. He he he's just promoting the, some kind of liberal values that many other liberals you don't find anything surprising. Yeah, that was maybe uh, where I was. It, it's at. more. He's much more interesting when he tries to sort of uh, think through these moral, the, the basic of the moral principle, the principle of practical practical reason. Uh, and and they're sort of claiming that uh, I mean, uh, uh, practical reason and uh, uh, freedom is sort of the same thing, because uh, when we engage in reasoning, we are we are at, 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 at that's that's sort of freedom. Mm-hmm. 
but but freedom is also that uh, that we sort of decide by ourselves to follow what comes out of reason. Mm-hmm. So he tries to bring these these together. We are reasoning is a part of freedom. We are and freedom is the basic a kind of basic basic thing, but we are most free if we ourselves decide to follow the principles of reason. <laughs> so it's a uh, he's sort of twisting around these and trying to solve solve that that issue. But 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 indeed, um, uh, yes. So so the the area of practical reason is the area of freedom. But the, did Immanuel Kant, for example, have any any thoughts about the role of, of, of the society or the government in regard to the, this uh, individual freedom of, of practicing rationality? Well, he he was very much uh, a typical liberal, I, I think. In that he he also saw that the the main task of the state uh, and government is to guarantee uh, our freedoms. That's one of the main tasks, mm-hmm. at least. Of course, he was also a German, and, and the German state was something different at that time. Compare, for example, with the with the with the English, the, with the English mm-hmm. system. So, so um, it's not always that clear what he is, mm-hmm. what what is his conception of mm-hmm. of the state. But then, uh, uh, well, when it comes to he also uh, uh, is is one of the first philosophers that is genuinely interested in the question of. Uh, of a sort of global political system and cosmopolitan right, as he, as he, he, he uh, calls it, uh, and writes a lot about these issues, what could there be a world government and so on. And there he's very strict and clear. Uh, in, a, in a way, he, he is a democrat, so he's promoting sort of more democracy in a restricted sense uh, in, in, within the nation state. When reflecting about world government, um he is claiming that world government is a really really bad idea mm-hmm. because um the very uh, basis of political authority is that it is some way limited that it has some other power that is limiting its power and that power comes from the from the sort of inside of the society individual rights that should restrict the limits of the of the state power but that's not enough. It's good that we have many states that they can sort of limit each other's power also. And that's why he's very much about opposed to the idea of world government, because that would mean creating a system where you have a, a political authority without limits, without restrictions. It has all the power because it's a world government. So it then he is, again, a very typical, also today liberal, he's talking about the system of states mm. that sort of cooperate with each other and, and sort of create limits to each other's power so that no one can be more strong than the others that you have have, have these, these differences. So, so uh, um, yes. So on the other hand, he's talking about sort of cosmopolitan rights. We have, so we are in a way, we are also sort of world citizens in some sense. We have the rights to travel around the world and go everywhere, and to be welcomed in any country, but there shouldn't be a world government because that's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that and that also speaks for the question I was wondering previously: that does uh, how how relevant Immanuel Kant's 
thinking in, in re related to these questions might be because I think the similar sort of arguments are, for example, in the thinking of Martha Nussbaum, who has argued in her book Frontiers of Justice that the, 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 the human rights and, and more specifically he, he she uh, speaks of uh, capabilities should be yes. global, that the justice should be broadened to be global justice, but then she also argues against uh, this kind of world government. Yes, I, th I, I in fact, I can't remember exactly what she is writing about that, but I, I guess so, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's very much in line, line with her. her thought. But, uh, but she, she uh, uh, on the other hand, is very much for uh, sort of expanding the idea of, of promoting capabilities uh, to uh, a global level. Yeah. So, so some kind of uh, system that, and in, and in this sense, she's critical of sort of the liberal um, fixation of the nation state, mm. that that's so liberal thinking is so tied to the idea of, mm. of uh, these rights being being the rights of a citizen of a certain certain state, mm. and instead capabilities um, should be promoted uh, all over the the, the world. Um, how I'm in fact I can't remember at this I, stage. I think she she promoted that there should be kind of like international. Uh, organizations yes, that are probably. Yeah, that mm -hmm. are politically impartial and, and and economically impartial, so that they they would not be yes. tied into national interest or uh, political or economic interest. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, so a, a system that 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 sort of promotes uh, everyone's capabilities mm -hmm. to have a good life. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's uh, sort of a global mode of mm -hmm. thinking, and and. Uh, and then yes, maybe you don't need any kind of world government or something to to stare that. Yeah. It's um, but um, that's really something for the future of humanity to think about. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find us at www.globalvisions.fi. Check out also Max's book, which is available to download for free at www.avisionofabetterworld.net We are also on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and Discord. Everyone is welcome to take part in our activities and discussion, which is an invitation to reflect on how to make the world a better place.